the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And when we say the word crisis, I'm referring to a crucial situation in which a decision is necessary. It is a decisive event, and a decision is necessary. And that's what we're faced with in 1 Kings 18. When we get to the confrontation between Jehovah and Baal, it is really centered on, the, on a crisis that Israel as a nation is facing. They are faced with deciding to follow either Jehovah or Baal. In fact, that's what Elijah says. He says, if, if Jehovah is God, then follow him. And if Baal is God, then follow him. But stop straddling the fence. Stop saying you believe somewhat in Jehovah and somewhat in Baal. Go either direction, but you can't have both. We have all faced crises in our lives. Maybe they weren't as public as Elijah's when he confronted the prophets of Baal, but they were traumatic and probably affected those around us. How do we handle those unexpected detours to our well-laid hopes, dreams, and plans? God always has a purpose for allowing them. The intriguing thing is for us to see his hand in it and be able to praise him for the experience. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel of Clearwater, Florida. Thanks for joining us. Presently, we are about halfway through a series of messages on the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Have your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 18. Pastor Steve will be looking at the crises faced by three men during the next three broadcasts and what we can learn from their experiences. Here's Pastor Steve with today's class entitled, A Compromising Believer. I'd like you to turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Lord willing, we're going to look at verses 1 through 19. 1 Kings chapter 18. It takes a little while to get there. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of, the, of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we will find grass and keep the horses and mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. So they divided the land between them to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. Now as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, It is I. Go, say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What sin have I committed that you're giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent to search for you. 
And when they said, he is not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear that they could not find you. And now you, you are saying, go, say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. And it will come about when I leave you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you where I don't know. So when I come and tell Ahab and he can't find you, he'll kill me. Although I, your servants, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? That I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water? And now you're saying, go, say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. He will then kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came about when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is this you, you troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have followed or you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you followed the Baals. Now they send uh, now then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. There is probably no more dramatic chapter in all of God's word than 1 Kings chapter 18. Now we didn't read all of it, but it is the chapter that contains the spectacular story of Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal to a contest to determine who is really God, Jehovah or Baal. The scene is, is one of fire coming down from heaven. It's one of Israel challenged as they've never been challenged before. It is the scene of the false prophets killed. It is such an incredible chapter that you could come up with some pretty fascinating titles to dramatize its theme. How about these? The Battle of the Gods. Winner Take All. The Fight of the Century. See, it's that type of a, of a, a spectacle that just captures your imagination. Now, if you're familiar at all with Elijah, then 1 Kings 18 is what you've been waiting for. It's what you've been looking forward to. It is the showdown between the God of Israel and the false god Baal. As I've studied 1 Kings 18 this week, I found myself eagerly wanting to get to the showdown, the fight of the century. But the more I read chapter 18, the more convinced I became that the verses that precede this showdown contain truths we need to hear and apply to our own lives. We don't want to rush into the battle and miss something that God has for us. And so you have to wait until next week to get the showdown. But this week we're going to study about how to face a crisis. How to face a crisis. That is really the heart of these verses that lead up to the showdown. The crisis is the famine in the land. The crisis is God's judgment. And sometimes we miss this because we tend to pass over these verses because they aren't as action-packed as the confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. But they're included in the word of God to help us in our relationship with the Lord. Each of us studying the life of Elijah these, these past weeks need to keep something in mind. We aren't just engaged in a history lesson. We're engaged in, in learning spiritual truth. 
God didn't give the Bible just as a history lesson. It is theology mixed in with history, especially the Old Testament. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It is the Word of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that men and women of God might be thoroughly equipped to face life. That is the essence of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And while there is no place in 1 or 2 Kings where we're specifically told the reason these events have been written down, it is obvious to me, and ought to be obvious to every one of us, that God's message to us is that we ought to learn how to follow him by looking at Elijah's example. Elijah is a, is a breath of fresh air in the, in the midst of stagnancy and corruption in Israel. He is, in the, he is presented to us in the midst of all the wickedness of the kings of Israel and Judah. And we ought to learn how to follow the Lord from, from the example of Elijah. And that's what we've been doing. We've been observing Elijah in his training, his preparation for an effective ministry. Not only do we learn how to serve the Lord through Elijah, but we learn how to follow him in obedience. And we've learned that. We've learned about following the Lord. That We've learned the lessons of obedience and humility and faith. We've watched Elijah as he came down from the mountains to announce God's judgment of famine and drought to Ahab. We followed him to the secluded spot of the Brook Bible Institute. We've kept up with him as he's marched across the wilderness out of Israel to Sidon to a city called Zarephath. He's been there for graduate study. And now Elijah's ready to carry out and carry on his public ministry. A ministry that is unequaled in excitement and drama by any other prophet, both Old and New Testament. As he ventures out from his forced seclusion into the spotlight of public service for the Lord, God gives us a lesson, as I said just a few moments ago, on how to face a crisis. Because this is a crisis. Before the Word of God ever focuses on the confrontation between Jehovah and Baal, it zeroes in on three men. A man by the name of Obadiah, who was the servant, in fact he was really the governor of Ahab, King Ahab, and then Elijah the prophet. And from these three men, we're given a lesson on how to face a crisis. And I think it's extremely practical for us. And it's a shame that so many pass over this, this passage, because it is practical. Because everyone in this room will face probably a number of, of crises in their life. Not just one, but probably many. If you haven't faced one yet, you will. In fact, you may be going through one right now. Financial crisis, physical crisis, marital crisis, an occupational crisis. Perhaps there's been recent death or serious illness in the family. Maybe there's been a family crisis with the children, your spouse. A spiritual crisis, an emotional crisis, it, it can be any one of these things or many more. And if you're a Christian, you want to know how to face it properly. You don't want to be overwhelmed by the crises of, of life. You want to face it properly. And, and this passage gives us some sound spiritual principles on how to face a crisis. It's a warning to us on how not to as we'll look at the life of Obadiah and Ahab. 
And it's also a lesson to us on how to face it properly as we, as we look at Elijah and how he handled that crisis in his life. And when we say the word crisis, I'm referring to a crucial situation in which a decision is necessary. It is a decisive event. And a decision is necessary. And that's what we're faced with in 1 Kings 18. In fact, the entire chapter could really uh, be said that the theme running through it is the cri- is a crisis. When we get to the confrontation between Jehovah and Baal, it is really centered on, the, on a crisis that Israel as a nation is facing. They are faced with deciding to follow either Jehovah or Baal. In fact, that's what Elijah says. He says, if, if Jehovah is God, then follow him. And if Baal is God, then follow him. But stop straddling the fence. Stop saying you believe somewhat in Jehovah and somewhat in Baal. Go either direction, but you can't have both. But before the Mount Carmel crisis of Israel comes the personal crises of three men. And we're going to see how they face their own personal crisis. So if you're taking notes this morning, it's very simple. We're going to look at Obadiah, who I call the compromising believer. We're going to look at King Ahab, who I call the corrupt king. And we're going to look at Elijah, who I call the courageous prophet. First of all, before we can ever look at them, let's set the scene. You must understand the Bible in its historical setting, and you'll not appreciate the richness of this passage unless the scene is set for you. Not only do the first few verses set the scene for us, but they introduce us to three men. In in the case of Ahab and Elijah, they reintroduce them to us. In the case of Obadiah, we meet him for the first time. And we read this in verse 1. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I'll send rain on the face of the earth. The time has come for Elijah to graduate from Zarephath. And now he's to enter the public arena of spiritual service. The drought has run its course. It's been about three years since he first stood before Ahab and pronounced God's judgment. It says in chapter 17, verse 1, Now Elijah the the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now that word is about to come again. He's about to give another word and say that it's going to end. Now, you may wonder at this point, why didn't Elijah, or or let me put it this way, why did Elijah have to go to Ahab? Why didn't he just say, well, Lord, the the rain is going to come now. Bring rain, bring bring the waters to to fill the the lakes and the seas and all of that. Why did he have to show himself to Ahab? Isn't it enough for him just to give the word? Why does he have to go there and risk his life? It's not enough for him just to give the word. It's not enough for him just to pray. He must stand before Ahab because God wanted Ahab to know that he was alive. God wanted Ahab to know what the real issue was. He didn't want Ahab thinking that just by chance the rain stopped for three or three and a half years. He wanted Ahab to know that he was the one who controlled the heavens, not Baal. And since he used Elijah in the first place to announce judgment, he's going to use Elijah again to stop the judgment. 
We read in verse 2, So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. That's where Ahab is. Elijah makes the long trip back to Israel from Zarephath, which was out of the country, and he sees firsthand the results of the judgment. Devastating. Devastating. One Bible teacher described the devastating scene that Elijah must have, have looked at as he walks through Israel. He writes, The music of the brooks was still. The green pastures carpeting the fields had given way to parched expanses. The skeletal remains of both wild and domestic animals lay scattered beside his path. Possibly the roads in the villages and towns were dotted by the stiffened corpses of the poor who had succumbed to the horrors of thirst and hunger. Now that's the crisis, the famine, the drought. No rain, no dew for three and a half years. How are they going to respond to this? It was devastating. It was not just that they didn't have rain for the month of January. For three and a half years, the skies have been silent. People are dead. Animals are dead. Death stalked the land. And how are they going to face this crisis? Verses 3 and 4 tell us about two men we're going to look at. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and with water. Obadiah was a follower of Jehovah. He even risked his life to hide one hundred prophets of Jehovah which Jezebel set out to murder. He's a unique man. He's one of the few in the land of Israel that has not bowed the knee to Baal. Verses 5 and 6. Then Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we'll find grass and keep the horses and mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. So they divided the land between them to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. The effects of the drought were so bad that Ahab feared he would lose his, his animals, primarily the horses and the mules. You say, why, why was that so important? Because the military was involved in that. Ahab was, was noted, well known for a strong military army. They traveled on these animals and he needed them. So he and Obadiah divided the land and searched for grass for the animals. And it's while combing the land that Obadiah meets up with Elijah and we're given our first example of facing a crisis. We're given Obadiah, who was the compromising believer. Look at verses 7 and 8. Now as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is this you, Elijah, my master? And he said to him, It is I. Go say to your master, Behold, Elijah is here. Now, Obadiah is absolutely shocked. Probably he is close to panicking. He's shocked to see Elijah. It's probably safe to say that Obadiah was the one who had, three years earlier, ushered Elijah into the king's presence. And it's safe to say that he is probably the one who escorted him out of the king's presence and palace. And it's probably safe to say that Obadiah was the last one in Israel to see Elijah. He's not been seen or heard from for three years. 
And now he stands before Obadiah. That's that's part of the shock. Elijah is the mystery man. He is public enemy number one, but he is the mystery man. He has disappeared from the scene three years earlier. No one's heard from him. Hadn't sent any letters. The ravens haven't told where he is. Nobody knows what's happening, but God and Elijah and also that widow at Zarephath. But now he meets Obadiah and he says to him, go tell Ahab that Elijah is here. In other words, tell him to meet me here. I'm here. I've reappeared again. Now, you would think that Obadiah would be thrilled to see Elijah and would be thrilled to tell Ahab that the prophet has returned. I mean, after all, this is the fellow who's announced the famine, and this is the fellow who they hope will say the famine is about over. But Obadiah is not thrilled, and he's not eager to do what Elijah says to do. In fact, look at verse 9. And he said, and this is Obadiah said this, What sin have I committed that you're giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? He said, what a strange way. What a strange way of putting things. What a strange reception for the prophet. I mean, talk about a, a welcome greeting to Israel. Why would he say that? Well, look at verses 10, 11, and part of verse 12. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master is not sent to search for you. And when they said he's not here, he made the kingdom or nation swear they could not find you. And now you're saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah's here. And it will come about when I leave you that the spirit of the Lord will carry you where I don't know. So when I come and tell uh, Ahab and he cannot find you, he'll kill me. He'll kill me. In other words, Ahab has been looking for you everywhere. If I tell him you're here and then you disappear on me again, Ahab is going to take out his frustration on me and it will be the end of my life. In fact, maybe involved in, in Obadiah's fear is that, is that he's thinking that maybe Ahab is going to think that I've hidden you all these years. I mean, after all, I've hidden the prophets of, of Jehovah. Maybe he'll think that I've, I've kept you in a cave for all these years and he'll, he'll kill me. Now, Obadiah's objection at first glance may seem very reasonable, may seem logical, may make sense. But it's a cop-out because it reveals a very serious flaw in his character. He was a compromiser. He faced the crisis of the famine by compromising the truth. And this personal encounter with Elijah only serves to reveal his double-minded attitude, his compromising approach to things. You say, now wait a minute. Back in verse 3 and 4, we read that Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. In fact, you just said, Steve, that, that he was one of the few who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Why would you call him a compromiser? God doesn't specifically say that there's anything wrong with him. No. No, in fact, in fact God says specifically, directly, that he was, a, he was a follower of Jehovah. But I think that's included in the scripture so that we'll see that what he, what he really was was a compromiser. Sort of like a carnal believer. He loved the Lord... But he wasn't consistently obedient to the Lord. Obadiah was a believer, but did a cowardly thing, an inconsistent thing. You know, even his name means servant of the Lord. But he wasn't truly 
God's servants in a consistent manner. How easy it is to fall into the trap of not being consistent in our daily Christian walk. There are many times when it's just easier not to say anything, rather than confront someone's attack on the Bible or our beliefs. Scripture admonishes us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. Maybe there's just nothing different about the way we live that arouses the curiosity of those who are observing us. I pray that God will work in all of us to make us consistent followers of Christ who won't deny Him by our speech and actions. You can listen to today's class again by going online to our website, versebyverseradio.org. There you may download the message to listen to later. There are many messages available for free downloading. Sign up for our free podcast service, as well as for the free quarterly newsletter. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. And our phone number is 727-239-0306. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about this class session or anything in the Christian life, please feel free to contact us. For Pastor Steve and the entire Verse by Verse staff, I'm Jerry Pruden thanking you for listening and inviting you to be here for our next Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.